Together we do more than what any church could do alone. And I think that's one of the secrets of Baptist life. In the state of Alabama, I serve as your state missionary at Jacksonville State University as campus minister. And it is your giving through the cooperative program, through our Calhoun Baptist Association, and directly to our ministry that allows us to have our ministry to students at JSU. And so thank you for your support. It is important that we reach students in the state of Washington, but also here in the state of Alabama, because this generation needs Jesus. They are also the future of our churches. And so I ask for your continued support in that area. When you come to preach in a church, a lot of times you don't preach to the church, you preach to yourself and hope that somebody else is dealing with the same thing. Uh, John didn't give me a subject that you folks need to be straightened out on. <laughs> Maybe the list was too long, I don't know. But uh, so this morning, uh, this is where God's been dealing with me. Jared, you're gonna recognize a little bit because we're gonna be in 2 Timothy today. 2 Timothy chapter four. This letter is Paul's last letter that he wrote to his, uh, I guess we put it in Star Wars terms, to his young apprentice. This is shortly before Paul was executed for his faith. So in thinking of last words, last instructions, I, I put a lot of stock in it. He, this is a little bit shorter some of his other writings, so he seems to be getting to the point. So I want to ask you, chapter 4, if you would read along with me. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the times will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all, all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a, the crown of righteousness with the, which the Lord, the righteous judge, uh, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also on all who have longed for his appearing. 
Now, Paul seems to have set up this passage of Scripture in chapter 3. In verse 15, he recalls how Timothy has known the Scriptures. In verse 16, he tells us they're useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Uh, And verse 17 tells us those same Scriptures prepare us for every good work. So, want to set this up. How would you deliver a final message to someone you love? If it's the last thing you're ever going to be able to say to them, you would have to consider how you want to say it. And, but now as he's getting toward the end, it seems like he's wanting to be very direct and, and give those last instructions that he thinks are important. Then think for a second, if you would, about Timothy. How does he hear these words from Paul? When you spend some time and try to, try to put yourself into it, you realize this had to have a, a, a huge impact on Timothy and then to have this letter after Paul's death to go back and read it to to think about what an impact it would have had on this young man. So this morning I want us to take a few minutes and look at this and see what it has to say to us. I thought about saying first that that this, uh, the first point I wanted to make was to be prepared, but I think it's more, more pointed than that. Paul's first instruction that he gives to Timothy, his first last instruction is to preach the word. God began about three years ago to do a work on me in dealing with discipleship. It's the direction I've kind of moved our BCM right now. But as I have done so, I've come to recognize that the goal of discipleship is not that we know more. The goal of discipleship is not that we know more. Although the word disciple means learner. The goal of discipleship is that we multiply disciples. And you can't do that without in some way, shape, or fashion preaching the word. The goal of discipleship is that you and I share the gospel with everybody we can. You have people in your sphere of influence that you are the most qualified person who could share the gospel with them. How can you do that? Yes, they can see the life that you live in obedience to Jesus. And that goes a long way, but it isn't enough. Paul says that you need to be ready to preach the word. He says, be prepared in season and out of season. You know what happens tomorrow? You probably don't. You don't live in my world. JSU starts 
spring football practice. You know what? Tomorrow's not the first time these guys have done any workouts since the last season ended, which hasn't been that long ago. I'm seeing almost daily tweets from one or another of the staff at JSU of guys in the weight room and they're lifting weights. They are going, uh, they have been running. They have been preparing their bodies physically. One thing that I've learned over the past several years is that if you want to play college football, optional workouts are not optional. They're only optional for the ones who don't want to play. These guys are preparing themselves, and right now it is out of season. I'm preparing right now because I have a mission project coming up in June. I've been preparing uh, for uh, two or three sermons. I have been preparing a teaching outline and uh, for a session that I have to leave, and I'm preparing a group to go. But that's the first week of June, and I was working on sermons in December and January. You know how unnatural that feels to be preparing a sermon in January that you won't be preaching until June? But the Bible says we are supposed to be prepared at all times. One of the things we've been doing this year in our discipleship groups is I'm asking our group leaders as one of the assignments every week within our group is that somebody shares the gospel. So over if there are six people in a discipleship group, once every six weeks, one of those people, uh, an individual will be asked to, to verbalize the gospel within the groups. The very first week we asked to do that, one of the leaders called on one of the girls and says, I want, to you, do, I want you to do this next week in our group. And the girl says, I can't do that. I might mess up. That got reported back to me. And I said, you go back and tell this girl, if you're going to mess up, this is the place you want to do it. In the discipleship group. And in the practice, every week you're going to either share it yourself or you're going to hear somebody else do that. Do you know what happens when you do that? You start hearing somebody share the gospel and you think, I like how they said that. I think I'm going to incorporate that into my presentation. Or, hmm, I don't think that works for me. You know... Iron sharpens iron, the, the scripture tells us. And in the course of hearing the gospel shared every week in a D group, suddenly the gospel starts becoming more of who I am. So that when the opportunity arises, I am more prepared that I might actually open my mouth and share my faith. We've got to be prepared. Before... I've been guilty once a year. We have our annual uh, guilt bashing of each other where we talk about sharing our faith and how we ought to do it. And we do something one time and then we're soothed. We're ready. We're, uh, we're 
covered till next year when we need to do it again. Sharing the gospel is the goal. It is our purpose. It is our calling. We were called by Jesus to make disciples. So the goal of discipleship is not how many times this week I've read my Bible. Not how long I've been on my knees praying. It's not how many verses I've memorized. It's not how I'm accountable in the group. The goal of discipleship is multiplication. And not multiplication of groups among Christians. It is seeing people born into the kingdom of God. So yes, we need to be prepared. But we need to be prepared in the right thing. And that is that we lead people to Christ and we help disciple them. Second, Paul says to Timothy, stay focused. Stay focused. I don't know about you, but the society that I live in, especially with college students on campus, I've heard it said, well, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. Truth is relative. The world would tell you that it's okay for, what, for you to believe what you want to believe, but I have the right to believe what I want to believe, and it's true for me. The last police officer I encountered when I had uh, set my own speed limit didn't agree with me. There are still some absolute truths out there. You know what I mean? It's easy to debate truth as a concept or an idea. But we are always supposed to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in us. That's what Peter says. We have been called to give testimony not to truth as an idea, but truth as a person in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So Paul says to Timothy, when things are going south, when things are not what you expect them to be, he says to Timothy, Keep your head in all situations. I don't know about you but uh, in this church, but I've heard that there have been some churches who have had some issues. Sometimes it has to do with which side the piano is wrong. Do you know there are some people so audacious that they will move the piano from this side to this side? Can you believe such a thing? There was actually a committee one time that voted to change the color of the carpet in the sanctuary. And we get all upset. And as a matter of fact, there are preachers who have been fired from churches because they didn't go visit their, my aunt who goes to another church in the hospital and he ought to be praying enough that God reveals to him that my aunt's in the hospital because I didn't call and tell him. We get all upset about a lot of different things. 
And what we don't realize is that we need to stay focused on what I've heard over and over again, keeping the main thing the main thing. Paul says to Timothy, there's going to come a time when people are not going to put up with sound doctrine. They're going to gather around them teachers, a great number of teachers, to say what their ears want to hear. How are you going to deal with that situation? When you focus on the truth as revealed in Scripture, instead of on all the popular subjects of the day. How are you going to deal with the situation? You know, my favorite philosopher was Snoopy. Snoopy says, I love humanity. It's people I can't stand. Things work great in our D groups when Bill Wilkes came and described this whole process. But you know, all year long, I've been meeting with deep group leaders talking to me about how do you get this person to come to our group meeting on a weekly basis. And this person comes every week, but they never read their Bible. They ne never prepare, you know, answer the questions to be able to participate in the discussion. You know, this person won't open up at all. They're still, after a semester and a half, they're still closed off. Everything looks good and abstract, but then you get into the day-to-day -day dealing with people. Paul says to Timothy, stay focused. Keep your eyes where they need to be. Keep your head in every situation. Proclaim the gospel. Keep focusing on what you need to focus on. Share the gospel. Keep going. Finally, he says in verse 7, you need to fight the good fight. And he uses himself as the example. Paul says, the time for my departure's come. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. Now, in my read the Bible through, I've just gotten through Leviticus where it talks about pouring out those drink offerings before the Lord. Paul is going back to his training as a, a Jew, as a Pharisee, going back to the scripture to use the example. He says, I'm the liquid in the cup that's being poured out. He's in prison, not renting his own house this time. Sentence has likely already been passed. Maybe a date has already been set for his execution. He knows it's coming. The emperor himself has passed the judgment. There is no appeal. Paul says, my time is quickly coming to an end. But when he looked back, he could say of his life, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And he says to Timothy, let this life that I've lived in front of you be your example. What I want to say to you is, we need each other. God did not call you to live this life in Christ in isolation.
It's not your race to run by yourself, but you're the only one who can decide if you're going to run it or not. You know, when it comes to running, I've always taken the Proverbs kind of uh, view toward it. You know what the Bible says about jogging, don't you? It says the evil man flees when no man pursues. Back years ago, we had a couple of uh, staff members in collegiate ministries, and you know, it was the joggers who had the worst health problems. That's the way I keep seeing it. There's only one person that can decide if you're going to, to, to run the race or not, and that's you. Nobody else can make that decision, but once you decide to run... He puts us in community, and Paul puts his life before Timothy to say, when I look at the life that I've invested in following Jesus, I can say, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. You understand what Paul is saying? He's saying that this life that we've been called to live in Christ is not just the 40-yard dash that they're running at the NFL Combine right now. No, we've been called to run a marathon. We've been called to keep putting one foot in front of another as we follow Jesus day in, day out, until the Lord calls us home. Paul had... Maybe the advantage at this point of saying, I know when the end of my life is going to be, and I can say I fought the good fight. But understand, even though he's in prison, he hasn't sat down and quit. He's still fighting the good fight because he's still corresponding. He's still encouraging. He's still calling others, doing what he can, even in that situation. Your health may not be what it used to be. Donna and I are saying these days, growing old is not for the, for the, for the, uh, the weak and the, and the, the you, know, we, it, you know, it's not easy. Some of you can say, young fella, you don't know what you're talking about yet. But you know what? God hasn't retired you as a Christian. That doesn't happen till you go home to be with Him. Until that time, He's got a race for you to run, a fight for you to fight. And He calls us all to stay faithful to Him. He calls us to persevere. He calls us to, to, to be encouragers of others and to call other people to run this same race. Until He calls us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, there's a crown in my future. And if I go to the book of Revelation, you know what that crown is for? So that I have something to the cast at the feet of Jesus. It's not for me. If there's anything there, it's so that I have something to offer him when I stand before him. There is no greater calling in this world 
than to follow Jesus. There is no greater investment of the life that you have been given than to follow Jesus. And that's the call to you today. Would you bow and pray with me? This morning, Father, as we come to your presence, I pray that as you work in the hearts of your children, that you will call us to respond to the gospel this morning. May we be faithful, even in this time of response. Amen. This morning, I do want to offer you an invitation. Maybe that invitation is for you to be faithful to the calling that God placed on your life for some of you many years ago. For others, it may be a recent one, but that you be faithful in discharging the duties that God has given you. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're saying, I really don't know what you're talking about, but I do recognize in my heart that there's an empty place. I do recognize that I'm a sinner and that I know that I'm without hope without a savior and I know that God loves me that he sent his son to die on the cross for me to offer me forgiveness for my sins would you respond to the gospel this morning and give your life to Jesus you know there's something to be said for stepping out from the pew where you are and coming forward in front of a group of people that says this is a real commitment I'm making I want to invite you to do that this morning. I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus, to say, from this time on, I want to follow Jesus.